Well, good evening everybody. Uh, tonight's going to be very interesting because we're going to be doing this in the dark. Uh, for those who are listening to the recording, we are officially sitting in load shedding. And uh, so we're going to be having a very interesting time. But tonight I want to deal with the topic, how we restrict God from moving in our lives. And a lot of people can just sit down and go, oh, well, it's got to do with our disobedience and all sorts of things. But I want to go through some of the things that we are actually and sometimes unconsciously doing that is restricting God from moving in our lives, in our families, in our cities, and in our nation. So I want us to go through some of these things, and I want you just quickly to think about how many times have you expected God to move and He hasn't actually done something in your life? I mean, just about every one of us can say that and say, well, God, I thought that you would have come through on this thing, or you would have done something for me in this thing, and God didn't come through. Now, I want to deal with just one of these elements tonight, because I think it's very important that we understand this, because when we understand some of the conditions in which God is going to move, it is going to help us a lot and help us grow as Christians. But before I continue with tonight's topic, I just want to let you know that next week I'm going to be dealing with the bloodline, the power of the blood as a protection around your family, around your vehicles, around every possession that you have, and how it works and what God wants us to do with that. So I want you to get ready for that for next week. But this week, I want to deal with something that's very important, and that is, how do we affect God moving on this planet? Okay? Firstly, I want you to return to Matthew chapter 28 verse 18. And it says this, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now I want you to see something very clearly here. That word in heaven speaks about the first heaven. It speaks about the atmosphere. It does not mean heaven where God is sitting. Okay, it's talking about our natural environment. And Jesus says that all authority has been given to me. Okay, on earth and in heaven. Now I want you to see something that is important here. Jesus Christ got that authority as a perfect man. Adam had the exact authority. Okay, when, when God created Adam, he said to Adam, I give you the authority over this earth, I want you to have dominion over this earth, I want you to rule over this earth, and I want you to take charge of this earth. And when Jesus Christ came, He came as a man. I want you to get this. He came as a man. He was not operating as God on the earth. And He was a man full of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus makes a statement. He says this. He says that all of this authority has been given to me. In fact, when he uses this in Matthew, it is talk, he was busy speaking to his disciples, and he was busy giving them the Great Commission. He says, I want you to go and make disciples, I want you to go cast out devils and lay hands on the sick. And this is the exact context that he was saying this in. And what he was saying is this, whatever I have, you have too. You know, we know the scripture, you'll do greater things than what I have done, you will do too. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 9, we read that we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field and you are God's building. I want you to see something. God cannot work on this earth without you. You are God's fellow workers on this earth. Now why is it that God cannot work on this earth without man? I'll tell you why. 
If God did it without man's involvement, he would be violating his own principle. The principle was that he gave the earth to man and said to man, it is yours, you are in control of it, I want you to administer it, I want you to rule over it, and I want you to take care of it. And so man carries the full authority of anything that happens on this earth. I want us to go and read in John chapter 10, verse 1, it says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up through some other way, that person is a thief and a robber. What does that mean? It means that if you come into the earth any other way other than a natural way, you are actually a thief and a robber. Satan came in another way. He was not born on this earth. He was not born of human blood. And because of that, he is considered the thief and a robber. And likewise, God himself cannot operate on this earth unless man allows him and gives him permission to do so. God does not have the authority to do what He wants on this earth. A lot of Christians just think that God will just do whatever He wants to do. That is not true. God can only do what He is permitted or allowed to move and to do on this earth. Whatever man says goes. And I want us to look at a, a scripture that deals with this thing. Ezekiel chapter 22 verse 30, it says, And I sought a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. In other words, there was not one person who said, Listen, God, I am taking the authority as a human being, and I'm standing in the gap to make you change your mind or to make you do different things on this earth. I want us to know that we carry the full authority as to whether God can or will operate on this earth. And we have got to understand that. Because what happens is, we often do things in our own strength, in our own lives, and we actually don't think that we need God. A lot of us will go through our daily lives. Are we Christians? Yes. Are we spiritual? Yes. Do we love the Lord? Yes. But you know what? We still do things in our own strength. Every single day, I hear Christian after Christian saying how they are going to wangle something, make a plan, or work out some natural way of solving any situation. And God is saying, I am not allowed to come and contravene or break that person's will or go against their will. Otherwise, I will be the thief. I will be the robber. I will be the one that is destroying what I have given to somebody else. So God has made it very clear that He can only operate to the level that you allow Him to operate on this earth. So we as Christians have got to decide to what level you want God to operate on this earth and in your life. You have total control as to the degree that God is going to move on this planet. Now a lot of people have just thought that God will just, He's an awesome God, He will just come and do stuff. He cannot just do stuff. Even as far as revival, outpouring of God's Spirit on this earth, always starts with somebody praying and interceding and saying, God, I give you permission to come over this place. I give you permission to move in this land. I give you permission to come and work in my family. 
And God is looking for men and women to sit down and say, I surrender all. I give all to God and God I daily come before you, not monthly. You know, the only time when God's allowed to move is when we're in trouble. We go, oh God, I'm in such trouble. Please do a miracle. Oh God, you are now welcome to sort out my rebellious teenager, or whatever the issue is. And then when we're in serious trouble, then we suddenly call on God. It's like any nation, when there's a political upheaval or something goes wrong in the nation, suddenly everybody who isn't a real Christian starts praying and say, Oh God, please help. You know, it's amazing when we're in trouble how much we pray. It's when we're not in trouble that we should be praying because we should be bringing in a new standard so that the trouble doesn't even come near the house of God or the town or the area that you live in. The issue is not when you're in trouble, the issue is when you're not in trouble. When things are looking good, what are you doing? And I'm going to deal with some of this stuff tonight. God really wants to work in us. In Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, it says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, until Jesus Christ comes back, God is going to work in your life as long as you allow him to. Now let me tell you something, no greater thing can a Christian have than God actually working in us to perfect us, to bring us to the place of fulfillment as He wanted us to operate originally. But the problem is this, as soon as things go well, we slacken off. As soon as we think, okay, we're okay, or the crisis is over, we go and take a Christian holiday. We sit down and go, well, we'll just cruise now. There is nothing like cruising, people. We have got to be so on fire for God that we can start helping the others around us. We should be carrying the presence of God to such a degree that we are truly the light. And we have got to start making a difference wherever we go. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20, it says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Now I want you to see this very carefully. It says, to him who is able to do exceedingly. It doesn't mean that he's going to do it. There is a condition in this verse. There's another one that we'll deal with just now, another condition. You see, we have got to see that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly in our lives only if we allow Him. The reason why we are not seeing Christians on the level that we read about in the book of Acts is because Christians are too slack. Christians today are sitting down and saying, well, I can make a plan, I can do it my way. I will work it out rationally, I will work it out on my education. You know, if you sit down and see the amount of information that is available for us today, it is far more than any other generation before. So do you know what the danger is? We sit down and say, God, we don't need you, we'll just use Google. We will just use some information that somebody has said somewhere, and we're going to now apply this, and we're going to now start using this in whatever the problem is. I want you to know that there is a huge danger in that, because we are not getting godly advice, we are not hearing directly from heaven, we are now using man's wisdom to try and solve an issue. And let me tell you something, the track record of man has not been that art. Come on, let's face it. Our earth is not actually getting better with all this knowledge we're getting. So I want you to know 
that we have got to sit down and start taking note in our own lives and saying, God, am I truly allowing you to work in my life? Do I go before you daily and say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome to work in my life. The power of God is allowed to do whatever it needs to do in my life. Or am I still sitting down saying, well, you know, we've quoted this scripture so many times. I'm saying, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. We sit down and go, yes, God is going to do it above all that we ask or think. He is not going to do that. He's only going to do it to the level that we allow Him to work in our lives. Which means that we are going to have to get to the place where we say, God, I am going to die to self. I'm going to die to my natural wisdom, my natural plans, my natural education. And I'm going to allow you to supernaturally guide me. To supernaturally lead me. I'm going to spend time to hear your voice so that I know when God is speaking to me. See, we don't take time out to even bother with that. It's like, God, if you can say something on the way, then it's fine. We'll just add it to whatever we're doing. We add Christianity to our lifestyle. We don't change our lifestyle. And so I want to tell you that we are actually walking a very dangerous road. Because what we are actually doing is we are actually saying, well, we are just living a good life in an ungodly society. We just have a bit better values than that. But I want you to know that is not God's intention for the church. God's intention for the church is for us to be so radically on fire that the gap between us and the world is so radical that the world is actually persecuting us. Why would they persecute you? Because they are actually jealous of you. Right now, the world is not jealous of the church. And we need to start getting serious with God and saying, God, you are welcome to work in my life. Daily I come before you and I say, I present myself a living sacrifice. I lay my life down. Holy Spirit, come and work in me. Come and change me. Come and do whatever you want in my life so that I can get to the place that you have for me. Let me tell you something. Most of us don't want the Holy Spirit to change us because He actually might just rock up. He might actually start changing us and we go, we don't want to change that. Come on, we have got to start getting serious about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want us to go and have a look at a very scary portion of scripture. We find it in Revelation. And just look at this. God is busy dealing with the seven churches. Okay? And I think it's Revelation chapter 3. I'm not sure on the chapter now. I've got the verse. It's from verse 14. And it speaks about the seven churches. And I want to just read about the Laodicean church. Laodicean church. That's the right pronunciation. Alright? And this is where we are at. Spiritually, I don't have time to go through all of the seven churches. Alright? The real church of Jesus Christ is called the Philadelphian church. That is still coming, we don't see it. Their key mark is that they have brotherly love for one another. There's a supernatural God-given love for everybody. Now I don't see that as the general trait of Christians today, okay? We're still going to get there. But this is the one that comes just before that one. The Laodicean church describes very much of where we are at today. And I want you to listen to this very carefully. And the angel of the, of the church, of the Laodiceans, write, These things says the Amen, the faithful, true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. 
I know your works, that you are neither hot nor cold, but I wish you were hot or cold. So then, because you are lukewarm, you're neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth. In other words, God does not want this wishy-washy Christianity that's going on. It says, because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have no need of nothing. But do you not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked? What is that saying? How many of you know that in today's society, people are getting more and more comfortable and they are going, listen, I'm striving for more gold, more money, I don't have time for church. Come on, have you heard the statement, I'm working too hard, I don't have time to come to meetings, I don't have time for prayer meetings, I'm now working harder and harder and harder. That is the state of the church. I'm not even talking about the unsaved. I'm talking about the Christians today are busy running off the finance to such a degree that they are not able to do anything else. Verse 18, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich and with white garments, that you may be clothed, okay, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with the eyes of self, that you may see. Okay, for as many as are alive, I rebuke and chastise. Alright, therefore be zealous and repent. In other words, repent of doing it your own way. Repent of running after your own plan so that you can sit down and say that you've got something. The Bible has already said that God can make you wealthy supernaturally. You don't have to work so hard. The minute you sit down and let go of God, trouble starts happening. And this is where we come to the very familiar scripture. And that is, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and openness, I will come into him and dine with him, and he with me. I want you to look at that scripture. That scripture was not written to unsaved people. We are looking at this thing and saying, you know, that is an evangelical uh, evangelistic scripture. You know that the evangelist would use it and say, Come to the Lord. You are unsaved. Knock. God's knocking on your door. He wants to come in. No. Who was this letter written to? The church. God's saying, I'm knocking at your heart. I want to come in. I want to change you. I want to fix you. But please do not do it in your own strength. We are restricting God from working on this earth. We are not standing in the gap for our own lives and saying, Holy Spirit, come and work in my life. Change me and mold me and bring me to the place that you have, not what I have for myself. God's got a plan for you and it's a lot better than what you have. But unfortunately, we are dismissing the power of God in our lives. And so God's saying, I am knocking on every Christian's heart. Please let me in. Spend time with me. Lay your life down so that I can do the work. I can change your life forever. But if you don't allow me to, I cannot do it because I'm not allowed to. God is not going to come and bulldoze you. God is looking for men and women that will say, I want to serve you out of my own free will and choice. The problem with our living sacrifice idea, present your bodies a living sacrifice, Romans chapter 12 verse 1. It says, present yourself a living sacrifice. Do you know what our problem is? We climb off the altar. We go, 
God, I surrender all. Oh no, this is too hot. I'm out of here. I'll go and do it my way. And then the next week, oh God, I surrender all. And the only time we really say that God, we surrender all is when we really have messed up. When you've done it in your own strength to such a degree and it doesn't work out, you go, okay, God, now I surrender all. Now you can have whatever you, you want in my life. Until it works again and then we, okay, we do it our own plan again. Verse 21. Now this is for somebody who has allowed the Holy Spirit to work in their life. When Jesus Christ has come into their heart and dined with them, worked with them, lived with them daily. Okay, it's not a once-off occurrence. Verse 21, To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. As I also overcame and sat with my father on his throne. God says, only those that overcome are going to be sitting on the throne. Who are going to be the ones that are overcoming? Those that have allowed the Holy Spirit to work in your life. Who have said, Jesus Christ, come into my life and change me. I'm going to overcome this thing in my life. What are the things you're going to overcome? Well, all the things that you were born into. There's so many areas that we need to overcome. We have been trained and schooled to work in a natural realm, and God's saying the natural realm will produce limited results. It's not going to produce what you need. And you need to allow God to come and change you and mold you, so that you can honestly say, God, you are not just able to change me, and you know, bigger things than I can imagine, and get me to the place that you have for me, but God, you're actually going to do it. I am going to allow God to change me, to change my life, to change my house, to change my city, to change my nation. You see, we as Christians need to be calling out on God permanently and saying, God, the human race can't do this. Give us a godly solution on everything that we do wherever we go in Jesus' name. See, God's grace works in us by the Holy Spirit. In Hebrews 4 verse 16 it says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. What does that mean? It means very simply, and I'm not going to explain it too long, but mercy is where you get exonerated or excused for the sin that you have in your life. I mess up, I say I'm sorry, God says it's okay. You don't have to worry about it, I'll I'll forgive you your sin. The Bible says if any man come to Jesus, confess their sin, Jesus is just to forgive us of every unrighteousness. Okay, 1 John 1, 9. So you, you know that God will forgive you your sin. But the grace thing is what I'm after. The grace is the supernatural ability to overcome that thing in my life that is never an issue in my life. You see, I need to have that grace operating supernaturally so that I can be an overcomer, so that I can sit on the throne one day. Come on, how many of you would love to sit on the throne? Just like you get to heaven and Jesus gets given the throne next to the Father and Jesus says, listen, you can sit on the throne with me. How would you like to be one of those guys? I would like to get there and say, listen, I have got here because I've allowed God to work in my life. You cannot do it in your own strength. You cannot do it in the natural. You have got to sit down and say, God, I allow you to work in my life. And then I'll be obedient to what you tell me. 
Now I want to give you another scripture with one of these conditions to it. It says this, um, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12 verse 9, and this is, remember this is a story of Paul. Before I get to the condition one, I want to show you this. Let's see, and then this is um, God speaking to Paul. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my affirmities that the power of Jesus may rest upon me. What does it mean? It means that, yeah, God, Paul was moaning about this infirmity that he had. And there's a tact that Satan was buffeting him the whole time with this thing. And God's response to him is, says, my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, I've already given you, you've allowed me to work in your life to such a degree, you've got enough grace to overcome that thing in your life. Okay? So the grace that God gives us is for us to overcome those things in our life. And to get to the place that we have in God. But then, there's this really nice scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. It says, God is able to make all grace abound to you, that you're having all sufficiency in everything for every good work. How many of you like that scripture? God says, I am able to make all grace abound to you, so that there is no lack in your life, whether it be physical, spiritually, emotionally, whatever it is, it's all covered. But this is it. There's a catch in the first few words. It says, God is able to make all grace. It does not say that God makes all grace to you. So how do I get from God is able to God actually giving me the grace that I need to have victory? Let me tell you where. Very simply, God, I'm available. Change me. I call on that grace. I allow you to change me so that I can have all sufficiency in everything. So whenever there's a good work that's needed, I'm able to produce what's needed. You see, a lot of us look at the scriptures and don't understand that there is a condition to this. A lot of us just read it and go, oh well, you know, like the one that I read earlier. The one in Ephesians chapter 3, it says, you know, um, God is going to just do exceedingly abundantly all that we ask or think. How many of you have had that prayed over your life? Come on, people pray that. God is going to give you more than you ever wish, and it's just going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. In, in chapter uh, 3 verse 20, it says, God is able to do this. And then again, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 8, it says, God is able to make all grace abound to you. So God is able to do this if we allow Him. The only condition in not getting it in our lives is our resisting and restricting the move of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Restricting God by doing it in our own strength. By doing it in a natural way and applying natural wisdom to everything that we are doing. We have got to repent of this, folks, and say, God, it is only you. I am going to submit to you. I'm going to allow your grace to work in my life so that I can have victory. I'm going to allow your anointing to come and work in my life. Your presence. Holy Spirit, you are welcome to change me because I want to be an overcomer. Because one day I want to sit on that throne. And that's why we get this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 19. It says, quench not the Spirit. Quench not the Holy Spirit working in your life. Now what does the word quench mean? 
It means to slack, satisfy, allay, thirst, desire, passion. Now listen to this. To put out or distinguish, sorry, extinguish the fire or the flame. It's to cool suddenly by plunging into a liquid as steel is immersed in water. How many of us have said to God, God, I'm on fire, I surrender all, and then two days later, we don't even want to have worship. We go, oh no, I'm not listless anymore, I'm going to just do something else. Come on, our flesh is very much alive. We have all quenched the Holy Spirit from working in our lives. We have all said, God, we are going to allow you to work in our lives. We give you permission, and then in the very next breath we go, Ach no, this flesh stuff is much nicer than this. So we just quit. I want to challenge us tonight. Do not be lukewarm. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not put out that fire when God is busy working in you. Now when I sit down and go with the the fire of God inside of you, I don't just mean the comfortable one where you go, I'm just excited, I'm on fire for God, I'm going to go do something. No, there's another fire, it's purging. When the fire of God comes and it starts making things uncomfortable in your life, and God says, I need you to deal with this, to deal with that thing, to deal with that thing. I'm telling you, when God comes, like you read in Revelation, when God comes, He says, I love you, that's why I'm going to chastise you and I'm going to rebuke you sometimes. God wants us to sort our act out so that the Holy Spirit can work through us. And that's why God says, go back to the original. We are co-workers with Christ. But we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God wants to live in us and work through us, but we have got to allow Him to do the work. So I want to challenge us tonight. Don't restrict God from moving in our lives. Don't restrict God from moving in our cities and in our homes. We are going to have to make a conscious decision that when we feel like, Ach, I don't feel this for this anymore, that we are going to have to make a decision to say, whether I feel like it or not, I'm going to present my body a living sacrifice before God again. I'm going to say, Holy Spirit, come and work in my life. We limit God by doing it ourselves. We limit God by thinking we don't need to talk to Him. Or allow Him when things are going well. You see, we sit down and go, I deserve a break. Or I deserve a holiday. I'm not saying those things are wrong. But don't take a holiday from God. Don't take a holiday from allowing God to work in your life. So tonight, I want to challenge every one of us, including myself, of saying, how much do I quench the Holy Spirit in my life? How much am I restricting God from working through me to set people free? How much is it a problem for me to go to somebody and go minister to them because I'm just tired or it's uncomfortable or it's not the right time or it's not convenient? How often is it that God wants to come and change the city and I go, listen, I don't want to pray right now. I'm not into this. I'm not listless. The beginning of this year there was an urgent cry by the intercessors to come and pray for our nation. And I can't remember, Janine, was it 21 days that we fasted, eh? There was a fast coming nationwide to pray for our nation for 21 days. 
When we go to the Christians, they go, oh no, no, don't worry about it, it's okay, we don't need to do that. We get no response when we spread the word to say, come, let's humble ourselves and pray and allow God to do a work in our nation. That's too much effort. But yet, when we've got a crisis, then we quickly call a prayer meeting and everybody comes. How do I know that? Man, I've been in prayer meetings, this is where it gets very sad for me. When there was a huge drought a year or two ago, and every farmer and everybody, there was water restrictions everywhere, so we called this prayer meeting, man, we couldn't fit the people in the building for a prayer meeting for rain. When it rained, we called for a Thanksgiving meeting, and we ended up with like 10 people. See, when things go well, we restrict the Holy Spirit moving on the earth. When things go bad, we call God in. I want to tell you right now, God is not happy with the state where we are at. We are not loving people the way we should be loving people. We are not in a place where we are allowing the Holy Spirit to work just in our lives and sort out our mess and getting us to the place where we should, but also to allowing God to work through us to set people free. You see, it's all become about me and my little holy idol. You know, as long as I'm fine and my family's fine and we've got enough finance and we're all doing fine, that's fine. No, it's not fine. God says, I'm looking for somebody to stand in the gap for the nation. I'm looking for somebody to stand in the gap for your city. I'm looking for somebody to stand in the gap for this town and for your school. Wherever you are at. So I want to challenge us today. Guys, let's start getting to the place where we start seeing the victories in our lives. And genuinely take the approach and say, God, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will genuinely submit to your Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, come and have your way. So that when there is a need in our city or our town, We stand together and pray until we see the victory and the breakthrough. When we sit down and we start praying and saying, Holy Spirit, you are welcome to move. Give us a word of wisdom or direction or guidance as to solve this thing or where to go or what to do to help the people solve this problem. You see, God has the potential to give us all the answers that this world needs. The problem is the church is not ready to go and tap in for that because it's too much effort. You see, when somebody goes through a crisis, do we sit down and actually worry about them? You know, I always go back to this, and I really appreciate David. Now, David was like a spirit-filled Christian today. That guy understood God, he understood God's heart. Man, the Bible says that he would sit down and fast the whole night for his enemies. We won't even fast the whole night for our chummies. Come on, we won't sit down and climb in the battle and say, God, that there's an attack on that family. We're going to keep going until we get the breakthrough. we just worried about me, myself, Arthur and I. And make sure that we are fine. I want to challenge us today. God wants to do a lot more through the church. He wants to do a lot more through us. Do not... Fall into the trap that God's just going to move in your life. He's not. If God is not moving in your life, it's because you have restricted Him. You have quenched Him. 
You have stopped him from moving like he should be in your life. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you that you are busy challenging each one of us in Jesus' name to walk on a higher level than what we are right now. Lord, I thank you that we will daily come before you and present our bodies a living sacrifice. Lord, that we will come and say, Holy Spirit, you are so welcome in this place and in our lives. And that we will open the door and allow Jesus Christ to actually come and live and work in our lives. Lord, I thank you that we will not only be able to say that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us, but God, that we will actually see it happening. Lord, that we will actually see that there is a supernatural abundance of everything that we can ask or think. Lord, flowing in our lives. Lord, that we will actually see the grace of God operating in our lives, that we will have all sufficiency for every good work in every area of our lives. Father, I pray that you will start stirring us. Lord, that we will not quench the fire. Lord, that we will not quench the Holy Spirit. Lord, when you are dealing with things in our lives, that we will say, Lord, I surrender. I will get rid of that. I will get rid of that. I will deal with that. But Lord, that we will be true channels of the Holy Spirit doing what you have called us to do. And Lord, right now I pray that we will never be the same again in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that we will be the church that you intended us to be. Overcomers, allowing the grace of God to give us the victory over every area that is not of God. Lord, I thank you that we will have testimony upon testimony where you have come into our lives and radically changed us from the way we thought, the way we acted, and where we were going. And we thank you for this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you, folks, for listening to today's message. I trust that you are blessed by it. If you would like to receive these message links directly to your phone, please WhatsApp me on my direct number, 082-659-2224, or if you have any questions that I might be able to help you with. And remember that we've got many, many other resources available for you. So please have a look at our website, www.fathersheart.co.za. Also, subscribe to our podcast by going to iTunes and search for Arthur Frost and subscribe to my sermons podcast. May we be richly blessed as we apply the truth of God's word as he reveals it to us. Many blessings and God bless.